0: montana happy tuesday hope you're enjoying your evening thanks so much for spending time with us you're listening to nuanas now your one-stop shop for all things sports every single day right here on 1029 espn missoula maybe you're watching in statewide television swx montana tv you can also live stream us anytime just go to 1029 espn.com or you want to give us a call, shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can find it in the podcast. Just type in Nuanez, N-U-A-N-E-Z. That'll get you to the podcast feed. Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, as well as The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Colter Nuanez, as he does each and every Monday and Tuesday here on Nuanas Now. We had a great show yesterday talking all about uh, the Grizz football game. And by the way, I know we have a lot of people out there that follow the rest of the Big Sky Conference listen to this show and uh, maybe on the other side of the Continental Divide. We'll be diving into some Bobcat stuff as well. I know that the Grizz has sort of dominated, especially the football conversation uh, as of late, because they have real games going on. But I do think what's happening in Montana State fasting fascinating as well. It did some catch-up work. SkylineSportsMT.com last night uh, while I was pounding on the Lady Grizz story, also was able to go through. Uh, Brent Vegan has hosted weekly Zoom calls and I've been able to tune into them and ask questions, but I haven't been able to actually transcribe and 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 get some um, absorption into my mind. So we have a st- series of stories coming out here the next couple weeks leading up to the Sunny Hall and Spring Game. But have no fear, Nuanas now will be covering uh, Bobcat Spring Football as well here uh, in upcoming days and weeks as well as at SkylineSportsMT.com.
1: Well, and I know too that everyone is so... Crazed for information when a new coach comes in. No I Absolutely. Mean, just picking back off Holzinger. But I think it's better for everyone. Let, let's let it marinate for a couple weeks. Like, let, let's just see what's happening rather than overanalyzing immediately. And I even say that for Brent Vegan at Montana State. So I know that, you know, it might seem like, Where, where's the coverage? Where's the content? Let's, let's let it marinate. They're settling in. They're getting into their routine as well. And now the stories are going to be flooding out. And like you said, I mean, their schedule was delayed compared to the Grizz. So they will get more of the. The spotlight I would say after next week and leading up to the Sunny
0: Holland game. Well no question. And it's also um you know, I will be sharing a couple of the pieces of sound that I've garnered. Uh, Troy Anderson, uh, we'll hear from him on Thursday because uh, I got up with him last week and uh, probably share some other player interviews as well. Uh, but just in terms of the the full breakdown analysis of it all, I mean, I've only watched him practice for two hours ever. So it's hard. you know. And it's from up in the stands, too. It's not like on the sidelines where you get to... You're you telling
1: know. me you don't have a detailed report on the uh, stretching man. techniques? Man, well, there is a new strength coach at Montana
0: State, too. I actually think that... That is one of the most interesting folds of both Grizz and Bobcat football. I've always been into strength training. I think it's it's a way more important than a lot of... I mean, it's obviously... Everybody knows that it's a broadly important thing, but I think that not just... Lifting or how you lift, but the culture within your weight room is so important. And I think so much of the brilliance of Bobby howick's program, two thousand three to two thousand nine, was the culture within the weight room. So often the guys like I mean, how did Colt Anderson establish himself with a hierarchy within the team? How did when did guys first notice he was a dude? It wasn't when he was the seventh string safety as a walk on from Butte it's when he's squatting 450 pounds as a redshirt freshman, the guys are like, well, who's this guy? It's the same thing with a bunch of different walk-ons across the board, and I thought two of the most underrated parts of Coach Hauk's staff his first time around were Mike Gerber and then Rob Oviat, two of the great strength coaches that this school has ever seen. But I do think that, I thought Matt Nicholson of Montana did a good job, and I thought Alex Wilcox of Montana State did a good job, but now they have new strength coaches that have different philosophies and maybe even cater towards their head coaching uh, philosophies in terms of style, and I think that that's where Montana can really take a turn, because I do think you know Dan Ryan at Montana and Sean Heron at Montana State uh, seem like good fits for each of their individual programs.
1: Bingo, you nailed it. I, I think just the alignment with the strength program and the football coach, and this sounds crazy, but whether it's the right strategy or not, the fact that they're just aligned and on the same page is so vital, I think, for the message and the programs that are getting sent out to literally all the players, and especially when you're talking about off-season workouts we know how critical that is and it's got even more critical and important i think coulter over the past couple of years that's the only contact that a coach so to speak can have with those players in the offseason to to have that same alignment the same message continued to be driven through for 12 months of the year rather than just seven or eight i do think that's vital and it's very interesting that it comes at about the same time for both schools within the state here
0: and that's an interesting fold, too, because Sean Heron was actually hired by Jeff Choate. And I thought that uh, some of the things that he was selling in terms of the power lifts, the Olympic lifts, were going to cater really well to Choate's style. Now we'll see if Brent Vegan can embrace that part. But you think with Brent Vegan coming from North Dakota State and Wyoming and having a background and wanting to be a, a run-first type guy offensively, uh, I, I do think that the transition will be
1: uh, pretty smooth.
0: Okay, what do you want to do? Let's. Do you want to talk about the big sky, or do you want to talk about the Grizzly quarterbacks? Well,
1: I mean, we've been teasing the Grizz quarterbacks. Okay, so we got. We got to so, go. So here
0: is my thought. This goes back to a statement you made on the show yesterday. You said this team is is vastly improved. I agree. That this team has a chance to make a, a real run. I agree. Uh, and, we're, and we're talking about the University of Montana. Um, and he said, "Well, do you really want to go through the growing pains of a young quarterback when you have a fifth-year senior in the fold?" It just in hopes of the potential. Well, here's my thought, and 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 Cam Humphrey can certainly prove me wrong, uh, and Cam Humphrey has been excellent in certain games, and he's been steady and good in certain games, and then there was the Idaho game where uh, he was less than stellar, and they had to put in a, a pretty injured Dalton Snead. But regardless, I've seen Cam Humphrey have moments where he's really good. I've also seen him have moments where uh, he's not so good. But I think that there's a difference in when you fade because of physical Drawbacks, or when you fade because of mental drawbacks. And so my argument to you would be that I think that Cam Humphrey is going to have the same sort of up-and-down growing pains acclimating to being the man as a a redshirt freshman in Chris Brown only because, and this is just based on the very little that I know about Chris Brown. I don't know Cam Humphrey well. I have spoken to him several times. I do think he's an awesome guy, really fun to talk to. Um, I have only talked to Chris Brown a little bit, but he's got that bravado. He's got that swagger. I think that's part of why Montana State didn't really recruit him. Because for whatever reason, I, don't, I think Jeff Cho is kind of blind to those sorts of things. But I, to me, when Chris Brown came in the game, it was not any sort of... Uh, there was no hesitation. There was no nerves. There was no animosity. There was no anxiety, I should say. Uh, it was just
1: looked like the dude. Who Cal- he calmly led the team exactly. down the field. And exactly. It, 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 was, it was great to see. And I think that... That's why I love Grizz Nation and I love these conversations because I can tell you from being at most of the practices Mm -hmm. that Chris Brown—that was the best I've ever seen Chris Brown perform in a game. It was. Isn't that?
0: Isn't there? There's only one way to gauge that though. Is, is by playing guys in games. I'll never forget the quarterback battle between Cody Kemp and Denarius McGee. Cody Kemp was, this is at Montana State, back in, coming into 2010 season. Cody Kemp was a transfer from Oregon who was going to be a senior. He'd been a starter the year before, before he got hurt. Denarius McGee's this upstart redshirt freshman, the scout team player of the year. But they were sitting, I mean, Rob Ash is a very old school coach, uh, a very old coach that had been in the game for 30 plus years. And they were sitting there thinking, well, are we really going to go with a redshirt freshman? It's the exact same conversation we're having right now. Although, uh, the 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 talent was not as as parallel as as this. I mean, because I think Cam Humphreys pretty good. Cody Kemp wasn't really that good. So, um, but regardless, that was the whole conversation. Was well, Cody Kemp uh, the, the best? Uh, Brian Wright, the old offensive coordinator, described the the best to me. He said, when Kemp is is just throwing warm ups, or he's playing by himself, or he's throwing on air, best quarterback ever. Then you go to seven on seven, and he's. Pretty good. And then you go to 11-11 in practice, and he's okay. And then you go to 11-11 in a game, and he's he's not very good. Denarius McGee, when you're just seeing him throwing around, He's okay. When you go to 7-on-7, seven seven, hmm, pretty good. You go to 11-on-11 11, 11 in practice, wow. Go 11-on-11 11 11 in a game, bam, three-time offensive player of the year in the Big Sky Conference. So I just wonder you know, if Brown kind of has that that makeup where he's the guy that performs under the brightest lights. He performs best in games. And
1: I think that the future is Chris Brown. So before I go into the next part, that, that's important to know. And the signs are great. But what has happened here in the last couple days is the perfect storm for Bobby Houck. Because what happens now... The narrative out there is, hey, maybe there is more of a quarterback battle than there should be. What's that do to Cam Humphrey for the next four to five months? Motivation all the way through. And I'm going to look way far ahead to kind of answer the question that we're going through right now. Because what we've seen from Cam Humphrey, right, you got to go into a sample size of four starts. He's made four starts now if you include last week.
0: So, so uh, let's see. Eastern Washington, 34-17 Great victory. performance. Good performance. Good, good performance. Portland State, great performance. Great Th- Threw for 335 yards through, I think, three touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. touchdowns. No picks.
1: On the road. And then, I, and then Idaho, not very good. Disaster. Yeah. Central Washington, not as polished. So, you could, so, that's two and two, right? Well, if we're looking way down the road here, I look at the next three times the Grizzlies play a game is Cam Humphrey's audition to be the starter. Because if you look farther ahead at what the Grizz have schedule-wise, they play Washington to start. That game, you can go through all the narratives or, or just the decision-making behind the motivation level there. Then you come and you open against Western Illinois. Probably going to be the worst team in the Missouri Valley. So Missouri Valley team. But then you have your bye week in week three. Sure. So if it is still rocky with yeah. Cam Humphrey by then then there's a point to make the decision. But Coach Houck, like he does with every position, Coulter, he is going to be fine, I think, even as much as those first two games to rotate quarterbacks. So you're going to have three games to decide. I can just tell you from the big sample size, Chris Brown, even in one-on-one scrimmages of the 11-on-11s, has never showed what he showed against Central Washington. And just being fair, at the point in the games Chris Brown came in, for sure. It was 38 to three, and Central was starting to mix in their twos and threes, and you have to. I think it's fair to question the fight that was left in them at that point. So you take all all of those considerations in there. It's still a great problem to have because Chris Brown looked awesome, but the factors that that go into all of this, I just don't. I'm not. Into the fact that you you replace that fifth year senior quarterback, then you can attribute maybe a couple of the bad decisions to nerves, and, and that's why I think this week is so fascinating, particularly in the first half, because we're going to get into Portland State the rest of this show and this week. They're pretty darn good. That defensive for front, sure. they are going to disrupt things for the Grizz offensive line and Cam Humphrey. This is a true test because if he bounces back, we could just be looking back and say, that was just a little rust and nerves. He got through it. He's the guy. That This next game is fascinating and even the two games in September for that.
0: Yeah, there's a couple things there. One, I also find this game a fascinating game in terms of when, you're break- when the coaching staff is breaking down the film no matter what happens. And I do think that I think that you need to get Brown's snaps of consequence, not when you're up 38-3. I, need, I think you need to get Brown's snaps of consequence. Second quarter snaps, maybe. The other point worth making is that um, the only quarterback that I've ever known to play for the Grizzlies when Bobby Hawk was the head coach that was the quote-unquote incumbent entering a season that did not have to endure any sort of quarterback battle was Dalton Sneed last year. That's it. They, they have no matter what. I mean, even if it was just for a brief moment, like Craig Oaks year two, 2004 had to win the job. One of my good buddies is Cole Berquist. He went from the guy who unseated a uh, junior, I guess, in Jason Washington to then a guy who got benched behind a transfer as a sophomore, to then a guy who had to beat out two more transfers as a junior to then a guy who had to beat out Andrew Sell as a senior. Andrew Sell then wins the job as a junior and then has to beat out Justin Roper and ends up splitting, splitting time with him as a senior on and on and on. And so uh, Coach Halke has a uh, strategy because at the end of the day, the program's winning as long as there's no internal animosity over who the guy under center is. Because if Cam Humphrey takes the challenge of Chris Brown and rises to the occasion and gets better, the Grizz are winning in terms of the way that they're constructing the roster. If Chris Brown ends up beating out Cam Humphrey. That's also awesome for the Grizz because that means you have a redshirt freshman who has an opportunity to be a four-year starter. But mark my words, Chris Brown will endure quarterback battles for at least the next two years if somehow he was to unseat Cam Humphrey. So I do think that there's a benefit on both sides. But back to the point, I think that the Portland State game, though, is a very uh, unique analysis because this isn't like analyzing a pretty prototypical defense. I know a lot of teams run different variations of defenses or whatever. The but, flex. Right. Like, if you were playing, we were saying, okay, you get a good look at what these guys going to do against, uh, you know, a quarters team that that is, you know, high pressure, good D-line, good secondary, all that. You're playing Montana State. Okay, here's the way the way this guy looks against a, an odd man front, you know, pretty standard 3-4 defense. The flex is so much different. And we've seen the flex, when it's rolling, make – I mean, Dalton is a professional quarterback, and it made him look horrific in 2018 in the first half. He, he literally could not figure it out. And so that's what I'm so interested in as well to see is, first of all, does it throw either or both of these quarterbacks off on Saturday? But then also, secondly, it does, it doesn't, whatever. How much validity, how much uh, weight do you put into the tape? Because it's not a standard defense.
1: I think there's more validity for this game far and away than there was for last week's game. I, I think that... They are scheming this week like it's a game in mid-October that has some playoff positioning on the line and the adjustments because I think it's safe to say for Cam Humphrey that a lot of his problems were cerebral on Saturday, right? It was between the ears more than anything else. No question. And that and
0: that's the number one reason why I would at least press the narrative of ter, in terms of giving Chris Brown a chance. So, even I don't, so- I don't think that Cam Humphrey has operational issues. I think Cam Humphrey is very, I think he's absolutely talented enough to be a good if not all-league quarterback in the Big State Conference. He's just got to find it mentally.
1: So, for the things that you said, though, about Dalton Sneed struggling in, against the Flex in 2018, right. what'd Cam Humphrey do against it in 2019 in his Ripped second it. career start? Ripped it. But he also, he also
0: though, and this is this is a, this is something that, um, Montez not gonna be able to replicate. He had a dude who wanted to give Portland state both the birds. I mean, he smart yeah. Torrey was ready to say, Hey, you know, I'm from here. You guys never called me cam. Throw the ball to me, like I'm I'm a beast. These guys. I mean, what did he have? Like, I mean, he must have had 175 yards and three touchdowns. Three right?
1: touchdowns. I think he's yeah, something like that. 150 yards, three touchdowns. It yeah, I mean, insane. it was his
0: career best game until the playoff game against Southeastern Louisiana. I mean, it, it, he he ripped the top off of Portland State. The, but again, you're right. Cam Humphrey did have a great performance in that game, but he also had a little trump card because he had a guy that was pretty pissed off at Portland State. Oh
1: yeah, he did. But he still was able to recognize the coverages and, and get the throws off in time. But uh, it was a little bit of both, and I think that. That's why this is a great assessment for camp, because there's a lot going through your head. And if you want to be the starting quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies on a team that has Big Sky title and national championship aspirations, you have to be able to manage the noise. Manage the noise, number one, of what's coming in around you and the expectations. Number two, to figure out your mistakes from last week, because they're being magnified and blown up right now. For good reason. I mean, when just assessing his play from those two and a half quarters. And then number three, try and adjust or work against the flex defense. So there's a lot going through for Cam Humphrey. And that's why I do think this is a very fair and fun barometer for us to look at. As we move forward into the off here on who is the guy for the Grizzlies, if it hasn't been apparent, I'm in the Cam Humphrey camp at least right now. I think Chris Brown's awesome, just not quite ready for it. But I'm very curious to see how Cam Humphrey responds. It's storyline number one going into this weekend.
0: I don't want my point to be misconstrued either. I'm on. I'm not in either camp. Here's my thought. It's worth the question. I, I I just I want to see what Chris Brown performs like against a first string. Big Sky Conference defense. I want to see Chris Brown take snaps against Portland State starters. Because maybe he is just shaky and he's a freshman and he doesn't know how to do it. Or or maybe not. And and that's what I... I, I just think that we have a little bit of a sample size of, of the good and the bad of Cam Humphrey. I want to see the sample size of, of Chris Brown. Because there's
1: a good and bad sample size for everybody.
0: Not No one is immortal. Every player has good and, and bad. And we
1: can pick and choose, right? I mean, Cam Humphrey's a perfect example. Are you going to pick his game at Portland State? Or are you going to pick the first quarter against Idaho? Right. Because those are drastically different measures of assessment for him, too. And I agree with you. And I think the coaching staff's there, too. They want to see Chris Brown get first-team reps. But I do know at the end of the day that what Tim Rosenbaum, Brent Pease, and Bobby Houck are seeing in the, in the week-long of practice, they're, in the months, they're going to put the best guy out there by the end of September. It's just a matter of this game and the first two games of September to decide who that guy is.
0: I absolutely agree with that. I just think that they need to have they need to have a, an insight at least, a window right now. Mm-hmm. Just just to see. J- just to see. nuana is now, one oh two nine ESPN Missoula. S Montana Television football to football. Grizz soccer. On the way to the postseason for the third year in a row. Chris Chidovitsky, the head coach. So he's by right here on Nuwana is now. One oh two nine ESPN Missoula, right after this. love getting mail, especially when it's not email. People send mail
1: these days. Oh, I guess. I mean, no, that's the good kind thanks of so. mail.
0: Thanks so much to everybody. Thanks uh, thanks to Florence Coffee Company for dropping off a, a little coffee card so we can continue to have our Florence Coffee Company break on Friday. Thanks to Transcendent Distribution. I'm not going to open this on air right now, but I already know what this is, and this is going to be pretty cool. This is, uh, this is some sports memorabilia. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. It's good. So thanks to all our great supporters, sponsors, and thanks to you out there listening it is Nuanas on Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television ESPN, uh, excuse me, SWX. If we were on ESPN National, that'd be pretty cool. Hope, Streams, Aspirations. This is
1: ESPN, though, as I far mean, as the radio goes, regardless. Um, and some of the things that's on ESPN right now. Oh. Come on.
0: I mean, I don't even have to, it's not even a statement of arrogance to say that I'd rather listen to this than that. Yes. Only just because we keep it fresh around here, right? This is an endless Deshaun Watson takes. We're trying to make you happy. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz. Joining me, Colter Nuanas We do this each and every Monday and Tuesday together. I do it every Monday through Friday right here on one oh two nine ESPN, Missoula, 4 to 6 p.m. And, uh, Riley, pretty... Buried in the news cycle, but also worth noting and very cool, the University of Montana women's soccer team. I guess you could just call it the soccer team. You don't have to even delineate women's because it's the lone soccer team in the state of Montana at the collegiate level. But they are headed to the postseason for the third straight year. They won the 2018 uh, Big Sky Conference Tournament. They won the 2019 regular season before getting knocked out in the tournament. And now uh, after uh, a, a pretty similar delay to, delay to what football experienced, now they're back and they went eight and one this spring, seven, and one in league play. So they are the Northwestern division champions. And they're one of the four teams from the big sky going to the tournament. And, uh, they definitely turned a corner the second half of this season. They have been absolutely one of the best defensive teams in the entire Western United States. They, uh, but they were the queens of winning 1-0. Well, the second half of this cover season, they started winning 3-0. And so I think that bodes pretty well for a tournament run
1: absolutely the defense was always there now the offense has built and i think people forget i mean christian davitsky has not been here that long it's been instant success but still to to get the plan in place offensively that is finally coming together for this team such a joy to be around they do things the right way and, and the awards were just announced as we came on the air in the four o'clock hour but claire howard named the big sky goalkeeper of the year for montana pretty impressive stuff in, in this regard they had a Four players named to the first team. No other uh, squad in the Big Sky had more than two. It was the most first teamers for the Grizz since 2014. So just a banner year all the way around. They are... Two matches away, 180 minutes from uh, the ball bouncing their way, hopefully uh, for them to go to the NCAA tournament because this team deserves it. uh, To have the continuity, we have seen it now as this weird COVID year has come into existence with the teams that are successful are the ones that have kept their core together. Well, for Grizz Soccer, they had no seniors on their team from last year. And during this pandemic and the the months off, over 12 months to be exact, to, to have that off and for them to come back, everybody, and to have this kind of success, they really deserve it, and the, the pressure as you, of course, talked about with Coach Chidovitsky here, just can, has continued to mount now, because this is kind of what they've been playing for. They expected Coulter to be here at this point, so uh, now it's time to really go to show. They've got two matches left to go. Northern Colorado is first up, and then uh, second up, obviously, would be the championship, and, and they've had to modify this, too, for those that, that weren't following it all the way through. There were nine soccer teams that played here in the spring, five in the northwest, four in the southwest. The top two from each division able to move on. So uh, they did it the best they could. Uh, I know Coach Chitovitsky was in favor of this format as well, and it all worked out. I know that you enjoyed uh, your chat with him because he uh, he's a special person, and this program's in a great place. So hopefully, they can get it done. They're two matches away from doing it.
0: When you got the best goalkeeper in the league, and they do, Claire Howard was the goalkeeper of the year, and he got stalwart defense like they do, uh, that gets you going pretty good. And then all of a sudden, now they got some seniors that started scoring. Mimi Iden uh, scored her first goal of her Grizz career as a senior in her last home match. And... Uh, Actually, she might be coming back next year, but it was her last home match for this. I, no, that's, that's right. Chris, Chris told me she's not coming back. So, uh, awesome moment for her in her last match uh, in Missoula. And uh, also a goal by Alexa Coyle, who's also a senior, but she will be back uh, in the fall. Here's my conversation with Chris Chitavitsky from earlier today. Well, happy now to welcome in from the University of Montana soccer team, Chris Chitavitsky, the head coach, and now on his way, his team, to the Big Sky Conference Tournament. And, Coach, I know the last time we tacked you guys were leading up to your home opener, and now all of a sudden here it is, tournament time. So uh, I know it's been a long year for everybody, but it must seem like this season went pretty quick for you and your team.
2: Yeah, it went by very quickly, surprisingly. I mean, as you, we, we've been waiting for like hundreds and hundreds of days to finally play, and all of a sudden it's here, and the next thing you know, it's within a blink of an eye, it's all gone. So it's it, it's been a crazy ride.
0: Montana? Came into the weekend undefeated in conference play and overall. A 3-2 overtime loss to Eastern Washington on Friday. Eagles got out ahead pretty early, 2-0. Montana was able to force overtime. But then Eastern pulls away, hands Montana their first conference loss in 19 matches. A streak that dated all the way back to 2018. But Grizz rebound on Sunday. A big 3-1 win over Eastern. And that helped the Grizz claim the Northwestern portion of the championship to take a, one of the four bids into this week's Big Sky Conference Tournament. So, Coach, what did you think of your team's ability to bounce back over the weekend?
2: Oh, it was great. Um, it was almost necessary for us to lose a game sooner or later, right? Because it's nice to win forever, but there are certain lessons that you only learn through losing and a mindset that you develop when you lose. And so it was it was almost a thrill to go into the locker room 2-0 down. Everybody sitting in there depressed, but I'm coming in that just jacked and hyped because... This is exactly what we've needed. And I just cannot wait to see our response to that game at that point. Of Are we going to just shut down and is it over? And is this what it's going to be like in playoffs? Because absolutely not. We're playing the better chances with a better team. We've got to figure this out. And what a great test. And so I love the rebound in the first game to tie it up 2-2, and then we lost in overtime, so that's just another punch to the face. But great. Use that as motivation for Sunday. And that's exactly what they did. They showed up ready to perform, ready to execute, ready to fix all the things that we did wrong on Friday night, and they did a very good job with it.
0: Probably sort of easy to be in a state of shack when you haven't really experienced giving up goals at all. I mean, you guys had only given up one goal in seven matches leading up to Friday, and then the two quick goals by Eastern. So, um, I, mean, I mean, obviously that was a huge response by your team to, to be able to come back and tie the match, but uh, when was the last time you guys were even in that situation? Because you guys have been so good defensively. Seems like it's been a long time since Montana was ever even down by two goals.
2: Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. I feel like Eastern Washington maybe 2019. Uh, not Eastern Washington. i say Washington State. Um, they they always give us a hard time, but besides that, not very often that went down by two goals. So It was very surprising, but at the same time, like I said, just almost exciting to be in a spot like that because It gave me a new problem, and it gave our team a new problem to solve that we haven't seen in a very, very long time.
0: Sunday, um, an atypical but also sort of special day because I know that there's a lot of young ladies and a lot of college athletes in general across the spectrum right now that some are seniors that maybe come back, some are seniors that maybe don't come back, but uh, for, for what it's worth, it was definitely the last home match of this season specifically. And a couple seniors were the ones that led the way, Alexa Coyle and Mimi Iden, both with goals for you on Sunday against Eastern Washington. And I know you mentioned before we started recording, Coach, that uh, Mimi Iden, that, that was her last home match. So a pretty special moment. I believe that was her first goal as a Grizzly. So pretty special moment for one of your seniors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Huge moment. And we just sat down um, on Saturday, so right right between games. And she sits with me, and she's like "Chris." I love what I'm doing. I love how I'm playing. I'm just very, very, very frustrated that I haven't scored yet. well, <laughs> Mimi, if you look at the overall, if you look at this from a 30,000-foot view, it's, she's doing everything correctly. The ball's just not going in the goal yet. But she is setting things up. She's doing the job. And so for her to finally score, <laughs> it was such a weight off of her shoulders, a weight off of everybody's shoulders. And just the response from the team to seeing her score was just a beautiful thing.
0: That was The video, by the way, Chris Javitsky joined us from the University of Montana soccer team, and I loved that part of it, the the video afterwards, because she was happy, but it seemed like the rest of her teammates were even more happy.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just uh, almost an emotional moment for me. It almost got to me because everybody's just so happy and jacked and fired up for Mimi that it almost got to me. But beautiful thing, and hopefully she scores again in playoffs now.
0: Playoffs now begin Thursday, 3 p.m., uh, the conference tournament this year, Ogden, Utah. And, Coach, it's a familiar opponent, always a familiar opponent when it's, you're talking about conference games, but uh, maybe one that, that lingers a little bit because you guys play Northern Colorado, and that's the team that knocked you out of the Big Sky tournament uh, the last time it was played a couple years back. So what's the emotion, what's the feeling like going into this uh, semifinal game on Thursday?
2: Um, we We obviously want to beat them <laughs> because it is a a very powerful rivalry for us in the conference between Eastern and Northern Colorado. Those are the two teams that when I came into the conference were at the top. They're the ones that I've been wanting to chase down for the past three years. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer and closer. And so having a chance to go up against Northern Colorado, I mean, it's, it was going to be the final or it was going to be the semifinal. So no matter what, you're going to play them sooner or later. So remembering what happened last time in playoffs, it becomes just, it, it's a very special game for our team. And we're a lot more mature than we were Previously, when we played them, when we didn't have any seniors, there's more on the line for us now this time, because we knew even if we lose that game, everybody's still coming back. We get a whole nother year together. But now, if you lose that game, it's the end of careers for people. And so we don't want that. We're showing up to get the job done, as I'm sure they are, too. So it's going to be a very explosive game, in my opinion.
0: Well, when you analyze just the Northern Colorado program in general, I mean, you mentioned that you had some admiration for that program when you took this job at Montana three, I guess, three seasons, four years ago. What, how would you analyze just their program? Why, what makes Northern Colorado one of the best in the big sky?
2: Um, I would say Tim is an exceptional recruiter. He knows exactly how he wants his team to play, so they're a very fast-break, counter-attacking type team. They try to go through you. If they can't go through you because you defend well, then they're just going to send it out wide around you. At which point they have very good one V one specialists. They're either going to get the cross in the box to try to score. If you block it, they're very good on their corners. very good with their flip throw. So he has a plan that is worked out to perfection and it doesn't change necessarily year by year. He just recruits the correct puzzle pieces who can execute his plan. And he's been doing it for so long that the team's just great at it. And so you need to be, very good on your 1v1 defending in wide areas. Very good at preventing through balls. And in transition, you got to have bodies back to make sure that they kind of just flow through you and score.
0: It sounds almost like um, a little bit of a contrasting style to yours. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, in a way, absolutely. Yeah, where This this year we've become very possession orientated where we want to hold on to the ball as long as possible. And then, I guess when it comes down to it this year for us, our, our goals come from all over the place. But Yeah, Northern Colorado has always been thorn in the side because they're so good on that break, so good in that counter. And so for us, it's just preparing to make sure that we have the balance. Even though we're attacking, we've still got to be set up to defend. So if it does break down, win the ball back right away and go back and try to score again.
0: One thing we've talked about over the last couple years is that soccer is so interesting, particularly when it comes to the postseason, because it's not a guarantee or or even that much of an advantage that the better team is going to win. Oftentimes the flow of the game or, or, maybe one break here or there determines the final outcome. So how do you get your team prepared for that? Because a lot of times, you know, execution can go one way or the other, but just one mistake might be the, the difference between moving on and going home.
2: Hopefully you learn those lessons up front. Excuse me. Um, and that's exactly what happened to us at Eastern. If we didn't have that loss against Eastern on Friday, I don't know if you, we would have been fully prepared because as much as I say it, it's a game of moment. You've got to take your chances. As much as I say it, you don't understand it until you make those mistakes and get punished for them. And if you look at the three goals that we gave up against Eastern, it was blooper after blooper after blooper. That is very unlike us to give up goals like that. So sitting down on Saturday, reviewing the film together as a group, especially with the back line and the goalkeeper saying, What went wrong here? How did this happen? Because here are clips of us never doing this. And for some reason we did this today and we didn't just do it once accidentally. We did three mistakes, major mistakes. And so it's, it's necessary to learn those lessons at some point because it burns into your brain how badly you don't want to do it again, because if you experience it, it's a lot better than hearing about it. So that's how we prepared. We were lucky enough to get beat. We were lucky enough to make some mistakes and learn from those mistakes as we did because we rebounded nicely on Sunday, and I think we're going to take those lessons into playoffs as well.
0: Well, last thing for you, Coach, what will be the key if Montana is to move in to the championship match, which, by the way, will be played 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, but uh, not getting ahead of ourselves here Thursday, 3 p.m. Northern Colorado, what will be the key to moving on in this tournament?
2: Uh, we're, we're creating more chances now than we ever have before. We're scoring more goals than we ever have before. If you remember Montana well, that always used to be 1-0 wins. And so, finish the chances. Finish the chances. There are going to be more opportunities than we've ever had against this team and we have to execute in front of goal. If you do that, all of a sudden I believe we're unstoppable.
0: Montana, Northern Colorado from Ogden, Utah. Thursday, 3pm. Chris Chitavisky, the head coach for the Montana soccer team. Coach, for us here at ESPN Radio, everybody in Missoula, everybody around the great state of Montana, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we're catching up next week after maybe a championship run, but take care of business on Thursday, and thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: So there you go. Montana versus Northern Colorado, Ogden, Utah, 3 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. It's probably on Pluto TV, right? Like, if you want to watch, it's probably on Pluto, right? <laughs>
1: right. Got, Sorry, I guess you
0: caught me It's all good. It is on Pluto. Yeah, okay. Yes. I, I should have just assumed. I should have just <laughs> taken my own assumption. Regardless, if you want to watch, we'll keep you updated uh, as it's Not taking Neptune, place. but Pluto. Yeah, we will. Uh, the, the game will, the match will probably be winding down as we are on the air on Thursday uh, here on Nuanas Now. So we'll keep you apprised of the University of Montana soccer team and their quest for a Big Sky Conference championship uh, in the... Conference Tournament. We're going to talk a little bit about Portland State, give you a little preview about what to expect from the Vikings here on Saturday. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, Coltrane Juanez. This is Now. To more,
2: oh, been, been, wasn't it even Happy
0: Tuesday, everybody. Hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for spending some time in your week with us. It's Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran. Joining me, Colter Nuanez. Missed anything in the show you can find it on the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Nuanez Now, all you got to do is search on all your podcasting platforms. N-U-A-N-E-Z. Podcast proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana. The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Blackfoot Communications. We talked all things Lady Grizz. If you hadn't heard, Brian Holsinger, the new Lady Grizz head coach. Talked some baseball with Matt Ellis, vice president of Missoula Paddleheads. We also talked Grizz quarterbacks and Grizz soccer. Grizz heavy show today. We'll be talking some Bobcat stuff tomorrow, as well as uh, some... uh, more Portland State. I talked to Bruce Barnum earlier today. He will be our featured guest on the ESPN Roundtable this week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But a a couple different things to watch for Portland State coming into this season. Uh, I, if there would have been a fall season, would have voted Portland State, I believe, probably fifth in my preseason poll. uh, When the spring season was being... um, proposed and the and the initial schedule was rolled out before Montana Montana State and Portland State and then so subsequently Northern Colorado opted out I did a three-part breakdown of the schedule and uh, the way I had it scored pencil to paper when Portland State was still involved I had Portland State as the third team in the Big Sky Conference. I thought that uh, probably their second game against Eastern Washington would have been maybe for a playoff berth. I thought when there was going to be all the teams besides Sac State in the mix, I thought that uh, maybe the Big Sky could get three teams in the playoffs. So I thought Portland State might have a chance to be that third team. Um, but they opted out. Here they are. Here we are. They're going to be in Missoula on Saturday. So a couple things that I'm going to be looking for. First of all, Bruce Barnum, uh, despite the fact that Portland State has been um, – the wins have been hard to come by the last couple couple years, but more than any other team in the league, I think that that has to do with circumstance more than anything else. The details of their program, the fact that they have to ride a bus almost everywhere, the fact that they have to ride a bus even out to their own stadium, which isn't their own stadium. It's a high school stadium in Hillsboro. They haven't played downtown in a couple of years. There's all sorts of different factors. Part of it just has to do with funding. Part of, it, part of it has to do with them resuscitating this football program. But here nor there, Bruce Barnum is a guy that has, first of all, massive experience in the Big Sky Conference. I spent a lot of time at Idaho State, and then has been at Portland State in some form or fashion for, I think, 11, maybe 12 seasons now. And uh, he's a really good coach. He's a really good offensive mind. They run an unorthodox defense in the flex defense. And they have done a really good job of remaking their offensive and defensive fronts And so I think all those things are things to point to. And then also they have one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the entire FCS in Davis Alexander, a guy who's entering his fourth season as a starter there at PSU. Uh, So I think that this is going to be a good test for the Grizzlies.
1: I do too. I think Portland state just going through their notes, which shout out Mike Lund, awesome notes by the way, just to get you all caught up to speed in a, in a time where there's just not that much information about some teams out there. But for Portland state, this is the most experience that they've had in four years since that magical run in 2015, and they feel really good about the core they have back. And I think it starts up front with them. Uh, they're solidified on the lines, just going inside the matchup a little bit more this weekend. I think the most fascinating part to watch is going to be the defensive front for Portland State against the offensive line of the Grizzlies that maybe left some to be desired last week, and what the flex defense and all of the the characteristics it brings how Cam Humphrey and Chris Brown adjust to that. So those are a couple of the matchups to watch for on paper. For Portland State with Davis Alexander, I mean, if Eric Berrier does not come back to Eastern Washington, that's an important if in all of this. But if he doesn't come back, number one, Davis Alexander is the best returning quarterback in the league. Bruce Barnum told me earlier today that he's giving more control to Davis Alexander this year because he's smarter than all of his coaches. That's a Barnum line. And, of Of course. course, I mean, but it goes to show you the confidence they have in a Davis Alexander. And the other if about Eric Berrier is if he does not come back to Eastern Washington... To me, they're number four. I think we've talked about this off-air, but yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say that you have the top three echelon, the two Montana schools and Weber State. Those yep. those right now are going to be your three favorites in the poll. No matter how it comes out, one, two, three, those are your three favorites. And then your next tier of teams, and correct me if I'm wrong and you disagree, I would say are Portland State. Eastern, and UC Davis. That's probably right. in that order for me for 4, 5, and 6. So, That's right. yes, Portland State's right there. Their schedule is brutal next year. They have to play Hawaii and Washington State among a tough Big Sky schedule.
0: I think Sac State will be in that second tier
1: as well. There you go. I'm sorry. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Sac State should be in that tier as Especially well. Especially if they can find a quarterback. For sure. But I think
0: Troy Taylor will have one.
1: I think he might have already found it. It's that, and they might have benefited from COVID because they got that true freshman from the Sacramento area. Sure, sure. And he might have found his guy. So, yes, sorry. I did forget about Sacramento State. But I still think they're in that tier 2. They're probably in that 4-5 range too with Portland State. This is a fringe playoff team. This is a team that could be considered maybe in the final couple spots in the top 25 nationally, 21-25. to 25. That, no that, question. I think that's accurate. So This is a great test and they're fired up to play. The Americana Tour is stopping in Coeur d'Alene this year. Barney's taking them out on the water. They're going to have a nice Italian dinner on the lake on Thursday. The guy's something else, man. It, it, it's awesome. Uh, Get
0: commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue